Welcome to Bandit's Keep. Wow, I said that really fast. Welcome to Bandit's Keep. I'm Daniel. <laughs> uh, today, I'm, this is going to be a short one, I think. I talk a little bit about um, basically figuring out what you want to do in the game before you add stats. This is more of a game design talk for about five minutes. And then I talk for maybe another five minutes about miniatures, um, kind of miniature wargaming. I'm starting to tap into that end of it because, of course, we're doing... OD&D with Chainmail, and Chainmail is a miniature war game, and as I continue to work on my game, I feel like I'm leaning sometimes more towards Chainmail than I am towards D&D, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. So, I also have some calls from Minyun, or Rob, over at Confessions from a Wee Timorous Bushi, and Colin Green from Spike Pit. So, let's get to it. So <laughs> I'm sitting here on my porch listening to the Nerds RPG Variety Cast, and uh, I had Anchor open because I was leaving a message, and then I just recorded a 20-minute message, which of course I deleted because it only recorded the first minute of it, which was essentially what I'm going to tell you right now. So maybe I'll do it in a, a more concise way because I've already said it once. And that is that I'm wondering if – I'm wondering what stats in games. I've seen a lot of people build games that use the standard D&D stats. I've seen people cut the stats like in half and say, you know – uh, personality, spirit, you know, learning, whatever you want to call it, body, or only call it con. You don't need this stat. You do need that stat. And, you know, I think a lot of people sit down to make their hacks of games or their, you know, fantasy heartbreakers, as it would be. And they say, well, we need to have some stats because we got to do character creation, right? We need to create the characters for this game first. And as a person learning the game, as a person playing the game, the very first thing I want to see is character creation, right? I want to see how do I make a character? I'm learning the game. Even as a GM, I want to know how to make characters, right? That's, that's one of the things I do actually to learn a new system that I'm going to run is I make a whole bunch of characters. But are we doing it backwards? And maybe for those of you who, has, who have developed games, maybe you have already had this <laughs> epiphany or maybe I'm wrong. Um, but would it make more sense to develop a game with the actions of the characters first? That is, you create the mechanics that you feel like you need for your game. Let's say in your game you feel like there's going to be a lot of negotiation and role play, but you want that to be mechanized. You can write up that as a mechanic and use loose terms like a character's charisma or a character's personality or a character's standing will affect how this negotiation goes. Or you might have combat in your game and you might say a character's training or a character's strategy or a character's uh, dexterity, whatever you want to say, might affect how this goes. And then as you create these different mechanisms in your game, then you look back and you go, well, I'm going to need a stat that is dexterity. Or maybe it's not a stat. Maybe it's a skill. Or maybe it's something they can learn. And then we can start picking things apart and deciding, how do we actually build our characters? Do we need, when we're building our characters, initially more than just a name, a loose idea of who they are, and uh, some equipment that they're carrying? Or do we need something deeper? Is the game more involved? We're going to want skills and such from the beginning. And do we want those skills to get better? Or do we want people to gain more skills? How does this work? And then we can start looking at character creation and character growth that will work in a system. And the reason why I think this is interesting is I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself because I don't know why I didn't think of this before. I'm looking at this, you know, using OD&D with Chainmail and creating this system. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting there looking at stats and stuff instead of looking, rolling back Chainmail again and saying, 
what are we actually doing in this game? So instead of creating the beginning of the book, which is what I started to do, I'm now going to, I guess, chapter, I don't know, probably chapter three or maybe chapter two, which is adventuring, right? Adventuring, spellcasting, searching, role play, all the things that the characters are going to do. And I'm going to write up how those mechanisms work. And if at the end of all of this, it doesn't matter if their strength is whatever or their dexterity is whatever, I may just remove it from the game. And I know this seems kind of shocking, maybe, or maybe it doesn't seem shocking at all, but I'm wondering, the more I play OD&D, how much we really do need the stats and how much they weren't originally just designed as role plays. I mean, if we look at OD&D, not Greyhawk, just the three little brown books, besides giving you faster level progression, which on a side note, I really like, uh, I, I prefer that over any combat bonuses, honestly, but that, that's a whole other conversation. Most stats don't do much. In fact, there's some stats that do almost nothing, right? Well, no, there's no stat that does nothing because uh, strength, intelligence, wisdom give you your your stat, your level bonus, you know, experience point bonus, I should say. Uh, dexterity gives you a missile fire uh, bonus. Constitution gives you additional hit points and a, and a system shock. And charisma, which is clearly the most important stat in OD&D, uh, determines how reactions go and henchmen. So all stats in OD&D do have a point. They just don't necessarily have the point that we think they should have or we might be used to having in, few, in the games we play now, right? We're thinking, what? Dexterity doesn't give you an armor class bonus? Strength doesn't give you an attack bonus? No, it doesn't. But it does give you, it does make you progress faster as a fighter, and fighters have the best attacks. So, in theory, a high strength is going to make you attack better because you're probably going to, you know, likely go into a fighter class if you have a high strength, and you are going to progress faster, which means you're going to be a higher level fighter than most others. So you will actually be a better fighter, <laughs> you know, just not the way that we maybe perceive. And I, I guess that, and I'm going around a circle, but that kind of comes down to that original idea that like when you're looking at OD&D, you have to almost forget how RPGs are played today and look at it like a brand new game because it, these, you see these little tidbits. So anyways, that's just what I'm thinking. And I made this much shorter this time. <laughs> you know, think of this, the mechanics that you want, right? Think of what you want characters to accomplish in the game. Think of if those things need a mechanic, right? If the game is, is going to have role play, you know, in the sense of people talking to each other, and that's not, doesn't need a mechanic to it in the game that you're playing, because your game is just maybe a dungeon crawling game with some, you know, interactions with NPCs and stuff. And it's not, let's say, a court negotiation game where, like, you're constantly trying to deceive and trick and get people to your favor. Those kind of games might need mechanics for the, that, that talking people role play part. And if your game doesn't has hardly any combat, maybe you don't even need rules for combat, right? <laughs> it depends on your game, I suppose. So I think that once we know that, we can really determine what stats we need for our game and put the stats in there that we need. And of course, now that I've looked at it, OD&D has the perfect six stats because they all do something in the game. Each one does a very specific thing and only that thing, but they all do something. In any case, that's what I'm thinking. What do you guys think? Leave me a message. Let me know if I'm just, once again, <laughs> repeating something you already know or if I'm somehow coming up with uh, some mad scientist idea that perhaps isn't the way that we do things today and maybe will be in the future. All right, so I recorded a seven-minute unboxing and I just decided that it wasn't that interesting. So I'm just going to kind of talk a little bit about what I'm doing. 
<laughs> in as far as gaming is concerned, inspired actually by, and I did leave a message by Jason uh, over at Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Uh, you know, I'm falling into this like miniature wargaming mode. And I'll say this, that I was never a, I mean, I played Monopoly and stuff, but I was never a board game person. I was never a, I'd never even played a miniature war game at all. I don't, I've never even played Risk. So, uh, <laughs> war gamers are probably like, Risk is not, but anyways. Uh, but, you know, I just started looking at Chainmail again to, to turn this game, uh, to create OD&D with Chainmail, which I think is, uh, honestly, and again, this is me using what's already there. It's, it's, fighters just kill it. But anyways, I uh, <laughs> I started watching this channel because they were running chainmail battles and he had two, it's called Joy of War, The Joy of Wargaming. I'll try to put a link if I remember. Uh, he does uh, miniature battles with chainmail and he's using two millimeter figures. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. So I started delving into it a little bit and I see they have two and three millimeter figures and I see that you can fight these massive epic battles on a small scale, literally small scale. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the thing for me. So currently, I've, I've ordered now from Irregular Miniatures in the UK uh, two armies, an Ancients. Uh, it's called Ancients Arabs. I have to look at it. I'm not sure exactly where they fall because obviously Ancients is a large <laughs> swath and so is Arabs. So I'm not exactly sure. I think they're just generic, like they're horsemen and bowmen and stuff so I can paint them up as I want. And I've got... Uh, Crusaders. So I'm going to create two armies to battle. And I also went to another site called Pico Miniatures, and they have three millimeter figures, so I figured they'll also work. And I got some charioteers, and I got uh, some sci-fi ones because they look cool. And uh, yeah, I, and so I also got some elephants. So I'm going to start basing and painting these things soon, so maybe I'll talk a little bit about these. But what I'm thinking is, because we're using OD&D with Chainmail, it is fun even though i'm running obviously i'm using troop combat which is the war game combat in theater of the mind and my players are loving it but because we have that capability i think the idea that you can be sitting at a table and be like okay well you've got a hundred you know henchmen and you're gonna fight this you know bandit group of 60 guys hold on and just reach down and pull out a little uh, you know tiny box really because it doesn't take up much space of uh squares or counters i guess i call them with minis on it and basically run effectively a more tactical battle using the war the more war gamey rules right there on the spot without a lot of change each one of these like groups of let's say we're going to have there'd be four or ten or fifty or a hundred depending on how you want to do it uh miniatures can rep only takes up the same amount of space as one miniature on <laughs> one 28 millimeter miniature you know it's on a one inch base so I think this is really, really super interesting, and I think it will be fun. And one of the main reasons why I'm doing this, and this is possibly, <laughs> this will either happen or it won't, and maybe you're in my game, I'm running a chain uh, OD&D game at Gen Con, and it's, I, I have in the description, and I have it written up as such, that about half the session is going to be a, a, del a dungeon delve to get an artifact, and then the second half is going to be actually fighting chainmail style on the tabletop. I was going to just use... Uh, like plastic counters from uh, some other game or possibly cut up some, uh, you know, pieces of foam and just like print out pictures from my laser printer. But now that I have these miniatures, I'm going to be able to bust out little baby miniatures. So it's like you'll be able to dungeon delve, come out of the dungeon, join your group of 100 infantrymen and then charge forward and fight the, the hordes of a thousand orcs and all on, you know, a small table. So I'm super excited about this. I don't know if anybody's involved themselves in such small scale. I know there's six millimeter as well, which also looks pretty cool. 
but I'm I'm loving the two millimeter, and I'm going to give it a shot anyways. We'll see we'll see how much I love it. But just looking at the this one gentleman doing the battles, it's really really interesting. And I, again, it's the size that really gets me because you can I know you can take a single miniature of let's say a knight on a horse that takes up one inch twenty eight millimeter miniature and say, hey, this represents a hundred men. But I don't know, it never felt like that to me. Like I've done that before. I feel like looking down at the table and seeing these tiny little miniatures just really feels like a war game. It feels like a battle. So. I would love to know what people think about that stuff. If you've used any other uh, companies to get these tiny little miniatures, if you have any advice on painting, if you anything like that, if you could, uh, if you think it's crazy to, to to switch out the scales when you're playing a role playing game, is that just too bizarre? You know, let me know. I would love to hear from you. Hey Daniel, this is Rob, also known as Manion, from Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. This is a message in regards to what you were saying about politics in our podcast. Should we should we use it or not? Should we include it or or give it a wide berth? Um, uh, usually, I, I try to do the latter, but naturally, as you say, uh, you know, not not necessarily politics, but there are certain things that are. Um, that are us, you know, that make up the way we are in this world, um, things that we believe in. Um, and that includes religion or assumptions about the world and its its uh, workings. And, and politics is just one element there. Uh, and it's naturally going to come out in, in the way we, we interact with each other. I mean, it's, it's as natural as language. Um, there's a thinker who I'm not going to name but he, he uh, very much believed. I got cut off there. I'm not sure where, where I did because I wasn't looking at the time, damn it. Uh, well, uh, what I was saying, that it, it's natural for us to, to have certain ideologies. It's built into our language. It's built into everything around us. It's like breathing. Uh, we are creatures um, that face the world through uh, a certain lens, right? We have a mind, and that's through which the world is reflected and through which we interpret it. Um, and when we're speaking, again, it's being those words are coming through ourselves, our our conceptions, our preconceptions. So it's it can't be uh, avoided to a certain extent. Naturally, though, we we tried. I think if we if we have the right filters, um, as sociable creatures, we try uh, not to be difficult all the time. We try to get on with others. We try to avoid conflict. Uh, and that's how I approach my podcast. Um, and of course, we're all free to do that in our own ways. Right. That was Rob from, uh, also known as Minion, from Confessions of a Wee Timorous Pushy. Um, and yeah, I agree with you, Rob. I, I, I think that I, I may have said something similar or maybe I didn't and now I'm just agreeing. But I think we put ourselves into everything we do, especially in artistic endeavor, and yeah, I'm going to call a podcast that you're doing. If you're sitting here running an RPG or you're, you know, making a podcast or you're writing a blog, I mean, you're putting yourself into it, generally speaking. I think we start to become more generic and more, um, we'll say, official if we're doing it for somebody else, right? If we work for a government agency or we work for a big company, we got to be careful, right, about what we say on their turf, we're working at a government office, we can't very well say, well, you know what, I believe this and this, so I'm not going to give you the permit to do the, you know, I love the wilderness and the wildlife, so I'm not going to give you a permit to, to, to build this uh, shed on your land because it requires cutting down a tree when technically you should be giving them the permit because that's the way the law is and that's how it is whether you believe it or not, right? That's not That's not your place to do that. So, we sometimes think that has to apply everywhere though, but it, when we're talking about our podcast, our podcast is our podcast. We can say what we want. 
At the same time, we don't want to scare off, at least I don't, people that are, let's say, not believing things exactly the way we do. Because I like to have different variety of people. I don't want, for instance, as my podcast tends to lean towards more of a old school feel, I don't want people that play the more modern games, 5e, Pathfinder, or whatever, to feel like I'm somehow telling them they're playing the wrong game or that the game they play is bad and make them go away or get mad and start you know, sending me nasty messages. I want them to understand that like, I don't feel that way. I might not enjoy certain games, whatever they might be, but that doesn't mean that, and, and I do enjoy 5e, so I'm not saying that right now, but you know, whatever that might be, the, the reality of the situation is that you're not doing it wrong because you're playing differently than me. We have different experiences, and sometimes somebody that likes something you don't or that doesn't like something you do can bring new light to what you're doing and really change and influence you in a positive way. Because if you take the second to actually talk to people who have different thoughts, I know I went back into gaming there, but the same thing is true in life, right? It's good, it's good to, to have uh, discussions with people to open ourselves up to other ways of thinking. I do apologize for all the traffic going by. It's basically rush hour now, rush hour. I, I if Sometimes you would think that it's so busy here. I live basically in the country, but I'm kind of up on a hill and it's like surrounded by trees. So everything gets pushed up here. So it's, it's actually quite loud on the porch when cars go by, even though they come by only when I'm recording podcasts. But that's, again, a total side note. Anyways, thanks for calling in, Rob. Hi, Daniel. I just wanted to say that I appreciated your reflection on politics in your most recent episode. Uh, I've got a number of things to take away from that and and consider going forward. It's a thorny issue, but I I think on the whole, we need to try and keep these channels of communication open. Uh, And the more that people can discuss these things in a a rational and and positive way, the more that's going to benefit society as a whole, I think. Uh, these This polarisation that seems to be uh, rife at the moment is a neg- negative thing, I believe. But uh, you handle things very nicely, and uh, I take my hat off to you, sir. Take care. I'll catch you later. That was Colin over at the uh, Spike Pit podcast. I'm sure anybody listening to this already listens to Spike Pit. Amazing podcast. Thank you, Colin. That is a, a great uh, compliment. And I agree with you 100%, clearly, after what I just said with Rob. You know, I, I think that we have to talk. We have to, you know, I, I think of like, uh, well, I'll get a little personal here. You know, like I think of my father, who is much older than I am. I'm the youngest child, youngest in the whole generation. And he was raised differently than me. And he thinks differently than I do about certain things. And there were times when I was younger where we would you know, butt heads on things. And that wouldn't lead anywhere. It would just lead us to being like, well, we're not going to talk about these things. But the reality is, is that now that we're both older, we can each state our case, each give our point of view. And sometimes we sway the other one a little bit. Sometimes we don't. But at the end, we end up not being uh, angry, as I often was as as a young person. And instead, we move forward, hopefully, you know, with the thoughts. And you see change in people when they are able to be introduced to new ideas and given time to do it and do it in the way that works for them. They won't always 
make a change based on what you suggest. In fact, what you're suggesting might always be uh, might not always be the right thing, right? You might be on the other end, right? You always think you're right. But sometimes we have to look at it. I mean, I know I've changed my thoughts on many things over the last four or five years based on stories I've seen and people I've talked to in other areas that I've traveled to. And I think that that is a way for us to grow as people, really. So I, I hope that moving forward, that's my hope for the world, is that the idea that we just shouldn't talk about it because we disagree will move over to let's talk about it in the right place and with a rational tone and still walk away, uh, you know, shaking hands, ideally. So thanks so much for calling in, Colin. Thanks for listening. And thanks to my callers, Colin and Rob. If you would like to call in, uh, feel free. I would love to hear your thoughts on what I talked about today, about what I've talked about in the past, about building your own games, about OD&D, about chain mail, about wargaming. I would love to talk about any of that stuff. So, and also if you watch the YouTube channel and you want to leave a call here about the YouTube channel, feel free to do that. People have done that in the past and we will talk. I'll talk to you soon.